Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Rogue Opinions and our retro SmackDown journey. I am, of course, Jimmy Baxter, and I'm joined by the joke sniper, Scott Cloud. Scott, how are you? I'm doing well, man. It feels like, it feels like it's been some time since we've checked into the SmackDown Hotel. They had some renovations going on and stuff, and I, I wanted to make sure we got back in here when, you know, the room was fully, you know, put back together. They added the second bed in here, so we just have the table set up in between us with the microphones and... You know, it's a little bit more comfortable, but I am going to miss our pillow forts. It is a, it is a, it is going to be missed. But what is not to be missed is this week's episode of SmackDown, October seventh, nineteen ninety nine. If you're following along with us on the network, and if you are, thank you. If not, you're going to hear all about it anyway. So, um, but if you want to try and catch us up on what happened on Monday Night Raw, would you please? So. A really weird episode of Raw to kick us off here. Like the opening was a four-way elimination tag team match where we had Kane and Xbox. The out was the Holly Business and the Acolytes, and they didn't say, the tag titles weren't on the line, so they didn't really say what this match was really for. The Hollies and the New Day was kept rolling on the outside, so both teams just got disqualified, which was a bit odd, and it came in a Xbox and Kane versus the Acolytes, and Xbox refused to tag Kane in because he's insisting that he can get it done by himself. And then Kane just comes in anyway at one point, despite not being the legal man, and he chokeslams Farouk and goes for the pin again, despite not being the legal man. And as Xbox celebrating Kane gets a chokeslam, he turns around into a clothesline from hell, and Bradshaw goes for the pin at the same time as Kane, and also the ref counts Bradshaw's pin because he's the legal man. And that moment of realisation when Kane gets up and turns around and sees that he, they've actually lost the match because Xbox got pinned. Xbox was not happy about this, so he made it a challenge out to the athletes. Not for another tag team match, no. Apparently there's going to be a four corners match, i.e. it's just a regular fatal four-way with Xbox versus Kane versus Farouk versus Bradshaw because Xbox feels he has something to prove that he belongs as a small man in the land of the Giants. So... Question, because that that comes up early in this episode of SmackDown. Um, I was I was confused about that a little bit, where it's just like it's going to be two tag teams, but in a four corners match. Yeah. And so is Xbox sharing the a gimmick with the Hollies? Now is that what's going on here? I don't know. I think just people assume that Xbox needs Kane to help him out because he's a smaller guy at least for that time period. So he just wants to prove that he can. Get down his own. Basically, I think it's similar to the weak link thing they would do when just towards the end of Team Hell Knows run with Daniel Bryan, except Xbox is nowhere near as over as Daniel Bryan is. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> well, Bulldog cut a promo, which was, well, you can tell how that went. Yeah. But it seems weird. Like, you, you talked about how you guys didn't get rebellion until, like, ages later. And it seems weird because they, they keep talking about the Stephanie McMahon incident with the bin and how she's got post-concussion syndrome and all that, where Tess even does an interview saying she doesn't even recognise him. So yeah, they're going for the classic uh, amnesia storyline, it seems, which seems to be the final final leaving gift for Vince Russo, because you know his fingerprints were all over that. Just just a picture, I'm just picturing Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara like, walking out of the building, like dangling handkerchiefs out of their hand, just like, ta-da, bye! <laughs> So yeah, well, they keep talking about uh, the incident and then Bulldog comes out to the ring and he refuses to apologise 
and he says that McMahon turned his own country against him, and to which JR says, you've done that yourself. Suddenly, JR turns into Obi-Wan from The Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> you turned them against me. You have done that yourself. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is pretty good. It is pretty good. It is. But he, can, he still wants his title shot, and he says that the, it'll be him versus The Rock at No Mercy. And we usually know it's No Mercy's coming up. Is everybody on Raw and on SmackDown seems to keep saying that they're going to be showing their opponents No Mercy because they have to remind you what pay per view is coming up. Yeah, it just seems like they they got this new this new like little phrase that they have, <laughs> and it just so happens to be like the name of the pay per view coming up. So like a lot of like double uses of No Mercy. Can't wait till November when we said I'm gonna be a survivor because Survivor Series is coming up. <laughs> Just that. Luckily, that this is around the time Destiny's Child, you know, re- released. <laughs> uh, I'm a survivor, so you know, th- the fact that they never ended up using that is just a, a crime against humanity. Yeah, Bulldog then tries to steal Double G's gimmick by saying that Stephanie was in a position she shouldn't have been in because he said there's too many women in the WWF and they don't belong. Yes, all and, seven of them. <laughs> and then China comes out and challenges Bulldog to a match later on. So that gets set up for later. Mankind has a weird journey throughout this episode of Rock. As first he comes in to talk to The Rock about maybe it's best that The Rock and Sock go their separate ways. But what he does notice is The Rock has the has, is on the phone. He's, but they're sitting up with their cameras fine. It looks like The Rock is responding to what Mankind is saying. But he's really talking to whoever he's talking to on the phone. And so Mankind thinks that The Rock is heartbroken about this. Like, I know it's going to be hard. And then The Rock pauses his phone and goes, what are you talking about? No, no, don't have to be strong for me. Like, this is the best thing for both of us. And The Rock just looks so confused and just goes back to his phone call. <laughs> and, then Mankind, and then Mankind was hanging out with two random actors from some show apparently called G versus E. That's a, I don't, I've never heard of the show. They just... You just hang out with two random actors backstage. They come into the ring with them, and then he just tells them, "Oh yeah, guys, go sit in the crowd." And I'm like, "Okay, this is yeah another reference that has gone way over my head." Yeah, I I don't know. I don't really even know what that is either. We had the second round of the tit, with Edge and Christian taking on the Hardys. Another really good match, although it was a bit distracted because Terry Owens was on commentary, which means Jerry Lawler was insufferable. And one of my favorite moments was. Terry's concerned that the headset would mess up her hair. She's talking to Jerry about her hair, and JR pipes up saying, Jerry, I haven't looked at her hair in three years. <laughs> Classic JR. He's just like, he was the originator of the joke sniper. I'm just going <laughs> to say it now. He would just come in at the exact right moment and just pew, pew. There's even a moment where, uh, where Jerry Lark accuses JR of having a thing for feet, to which JR just is taken aback by Edge and Gresham do pick the one to make it 2 nothing in favour of them and they're one win away from winning the Terry Invitational Tournament or TIT as it's preferred to be known but there's, there are just weird points where they've cut the commentary and King is un, as unsubtle as you can be just staring at Terry Reynolds and more accurately staring at her chest and every now and then she would just turn and catch him and then you just start talk, trying to talk to her about the tournament He's the worst He's... Yeah. He's such the worst. Speaking of commentary, it doesn't get easy for the commentary team because Triple H comes out and he calls JR into the ring 
and he makes JR sit in a chair while they play an interview that JR had conducted with Stone Cold earlier in the week. And Triple H just says to JR, what do you think Stone Cold thinks of me? And JR says, Stone Cold thinks you're an asshole. <laughs> and he says, he says to JR, like, what do you think of me? And he says, I think you're you're no good SOB, which Triple H then takes very well by clotheslining JR and then putting the pits to him to when the referees come in and then Gerald goes, I was a bit of getting there and helping before the referees came in. Like, yeah, sure you were. Oh, man. This, so then, the, I, I, I'm, I was never a fan of it at the time and I still just, even to this day, just, I do not agree with the whole like beating up poor defenseless palsied out JR. Like, yeah. no, no disrespect to the man or whatever, but like, it's just not like, not something I wanted to see at the time. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, it's just by this point, it's already common knowledge that JR and Stone Cold are good friends. So I think it's just a, a thing for Triple H to try and get in, G, in Stone Cold's head because I think they're wanting to keep Stone Cold, like, physicality-wise, he's keeping that to a minimum because he had that brawl, I believe it was last week's SmackDown, and then he stunned Triple H at Unforgiven. So he's not really done much physically since, since SummerSlam. Hey. Yeah, and then like ever, ever since he got attacked, and you know they they he had those chair shots to the leg. They are really just keeping him, and that comes up in the interview that he has a little later on that I have a series of problems with. Where um, you know he they're out in the woods and whatever, and he he does mention that he's gone for like two months. Uh, so for the last like couple of months, he hasn't really done much of anything. Mm-hmm. But Michael uh, Cole takes over. For JR for the majority of the, the rest of the show until there's a tag match later on right before the main event where JR just wanders around ringside and then just tells Michael Cole, Okay, I'm fine now, you can I can you can go now. And Michael just buggers off. So JR just like I think would have preferred if JR like stayed off the rest of the show to kind of really sell like the heinousness of what Triple H did. Yeah, yeah. We had uh, double J back at it again. He's Everybody was supposed to team with Double G against Miller and May Young. Then at the last minute, uh, replaced, forced Miss Kitty to replace him in the match, which she didn't like. So she just gets beat up by these two old women. And then Ivory comes in, she feels a bit better, but as soon as Miller and May start beating her up, she just tags Miss Kitty back in while Jeff Jarrett goes on commentary berating all women. And then when Miss Kitty takes the pin in the match, Jeff Jarrett gets back in the ring and he puts Miss Kitty in a figure four. It's just at, at this point, it's almost like, you know, those old like 1930s newsreels where it's like March, March on the wall continues. Jeff Jarrett comes <laughs> in and still hates all women. <laughs> and it's just like a bunch of propaganda videos of just like him marching around with that, like his guitar or like a frying pan. And he's just like slapping women and putting them in the figure four. That's just what I picture now at this point, because he's just so insistent on hating all women because of his feud with China. We had a GTV segment, a, quite, a rather unpleasant one, where Draws pretends that he needs tape, so he looks for Dilo's bag, and then he proceeds to puke into, into Dilo's bag because that's a, that was one of his key gimmick traits that really helped him get over. I mean, it helped him with something, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but... Mankind comes out and he calls out the rock and he mentions Val Venus taking Mr. Rocco and the attack on him a week ago and he says that he does not appreciate people grabbing his testicles 
He said, I didn't like it when I was an altar boy, and I don't like it now. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Excellent. And Man Kane said he doesn't want to be remembered as a former WAF champion. He doesn't want to be remembered as a guy who flew off hell in a cell. He doesn't want to be remembered as a hardcore legend. He wants to be remembered as one half of the greatest tag team of all time. So he, he wants the Rock to, him and the Rock to stay together as a team. And the Rock just shows, again, as little interest as possible. And then he compares them to a married couple because, obviously, the wedding between Tess and Stephanie is in doubt and the Rock just takes a, a step back like, whoa, whoa. And he says he will not take any of Mankind's poontang pie. And Mankind says, I don't know much about biology, but I don't think I have any poontang to give. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Rock was paying attention in health class. <laughs> really not. But then Chris Jericho interrupts them alongside his the trusted psychic, Mr. Hughes. And he says that these guys are basically are in a relationship, and if they are, The Rock is the woman of the relationship, as he does have a fascination with shoving things up other men's asses. And then The Rock, yeah, Rock starts running down to Jericho, although at one point a fan randomly gets in the ring dressed like Jericho. Like, he's even got his hair. Stuff has suddenly got a silvery, like, the same, like, sparkly jacket that Jericho would wear. And then The Rock... Rock basically implies that that was Jericho's dad. So Okay, um, so PSA to everybody, in 1999 <laughs> and 2019 and beyond, if you are at a wrestling show, your place is behind the barricade. Do not get in the ring unless you are carried into the ring by, by a wrestler. It just makes the show weird. Yeah. Just don't do it. Because, like, you get in the ring, you walk towards the rope, and then Mick Foley just grabs the guy, puts him in a headlock, and forces him towards the ropes, at which point security, I'm assuming... Very roughly threw that man out. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. But The Rock starts running down Jericho. He, he said, just because you were, you think you're so tough because you were down south a few months ago beating up some guy named Hoovy. Yeah, nice. Because I think when this time, uh, Hoovy 2 was using the juice, which is basically a rip off of The Rock. So, I think this is The Rock's way of firing back. As if The Rock even knows who the hell Hoovy 2 Guerrero was. But he went down Jericho and he goes, and there's no way. And then Mankind does the catchphrase as well. That, and the Rock means no way. And the Rock just looks at Mankind like, don't you ever do that again. Which sets up the Rock versus Jericho for the main event. Yeah, I know, I know I'm going on a bit, but there's a lot that happened. Mankind was back to ABC Richards, or the new dude love as he's been referred to. But... They're just chatting backstage, they're being interviewed, and then the Dudley boys beat them up, which then leads to a tag match with the Dudleys v. Stephen Richards and Mankind. But Mankind gets his right because Val Venus comes out, he chases them up the ramp to get Rocco back. The Dudleys chase after him, that leads to a brawl around the ring. Man- Val Venus gets on commentary, and then Mankind just dives across the commentary to get to Val Venus. But then obviously that has caused them to get distracted and leave Stevie doing a two-on-one. The Dudley's hit CDV with a 3D for the win. Uh, we get China versus the Bulldog, and it doesn't really last that much, that long. China actually gets in the most more offense than you think. And then Jeff Jarrett comes out with a coffee urn and just hits China with it for the DQ. Bulldog picks her up, threatens to slam her if Triple H doesn't come out in 10 seconds and give him his title shot. But he starts counting, he gets to three, and literally, like less than half a second after he says three, he says, I lied and just slams her anyway. Trouble doesn't even come out. So So was know. he was he holding her up on his shoulder? Yeah. 
Oh, that's why his his back was like probably on fire at the time. <laughs> he was probably just like, "Fuck it, I'm not getting to ten. Fuck this, bang!" And then just gave her the gave her the move. Yeah, because I don't know what they're going for. Like they try and make Bulldog look like an idiot for not waiting. They try, they try and make Triple H look like he's uncaring that he didn't care about China because China thinks might be a face now, even though again she's still coming out to Triple H's theme song. But like, I don't know what the hell they're trying to accomplish here. Bulldog, though he's not done, the, he's fucking everywhere, the Bulldog. He gets called out by Vince McMahon for an apology. He doesn't give him it. And then Vince threat says, well, why don't you come to this ring and I'll beat an apology out of you. And then Bulldog just walks away. So, first of all, they make Bulldog ineffective at getting a title shot. They see him get beat up by a woman. And then he's, he's too afraid to fight Vince McMahon. So, not a good night for the Bulldog. I mean, not a good run for the Bulldog so far. No. Absolutely not. We have The Rock versus Chris Jericho in the main event. It's a decent match. I know Jericho in his book has said that The Rock was probably his favourite opponent, but you know they'd go and they have better matches. Jericho gets quite a decent reaction because they were in New Jersey for Raw, and I think Jericho was born in New York, and his dad played hockey in New York, so he's kind of a local guy somewhat. Uh, Mr. Hughes keeps getting involved. He grabs The Rock's leg. He, he tries to jump him before the match. Uh, he introduces a chair, but while the referee tried to rock, rock bottom Jericho on that chair, hits the people's elbow for the easy win. After the match, you can see Jericho arguing with Hughes as he walks up the ramp, so some trouble in paradise there. And then Bulldog comes out for his like, um, sixth or seventh appearance of the night, and he and Rock brawl as Raw goes off there. He's got he's to get that paycheck, man. He's, he's really putting in a shift for that paycheck. I say no wonder he's back knackered. He's killed. he's running to the ring. He's running to the ring every so like six or seven times a night. He's probably no wonder he looks so tired all the time. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely he's driving. He's making those towns, brother, you know, and then he's coming <laughs> in and he's running six or seven segments on live TV. He's allegedly in the back, just like shooting things into his ass so he has the momentum to be able to stand up and you know. It is what it is, man. You know, that's how it goes down. Comes back to he's like, I've only been three seconds in that. People need to see more Bulldog. Yeah. It's like, uh, what do we have? Uh, we got Big Show? Fuck Big Show. Let's send the let's send a Bulldog back out there. Fuck him. <laughs> they they want Bulldog. They liked him back in '94. <laughs> um, all right, so yeah, that and that brings us to uh just a few days later in the Nassau Coliseum, Long Island, New York, the seventh episode of SmackDown. The show opens with a short but uh, effective tribute video to Gorilla Monsoon, who passed away uh, earlier in the week, 1937 to 1999. Hashtag RIP, you know, mm-hmm. Gor- Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, a little before my time, but uh, he definitely left a lasting impression on the business. Yeah. Um, but then for a stark comparison, we get the uh, the pyro going off, and uh, during the crowd pan, there's just a guy with a sign that says sexual vanilla on it, <laughs> and, that, and that made me laugh, like, harder than it probably should have um so shout outs to that guy if he's uh, if he's listening um but then uh, we get our opening contest to open the show no big uh promo at the beginning just straight into the action it's x-pac and kane versus viscera and midian uh as you mentioned earlier on uh, during the raw recap that we that we like to do at the beginning of the show uh x-pac had challenged uh the acolytes to a four corners match with him and x-pac uh, with him and kane rather uh, for No Mercy. Um, and of course, X-Pac is directing traffic, kicking uh, Kane out of the ring, decides not to tag him a whole bunch. 
Um, he, he wants to try and prove himself in the land of the Giants. That's what they keep saying on commentary. Um, Kane ends up tagging himself in, quickly gets the win after a choke slam. And then uh, after they win, the Acolytes come in and attack X-Pac and Kane while they argue about Kane getting involved. So this is, you know, more along the lines of what was happening on Raw. Uh, but this time the uh, the tag actually worked and they actually did get the win. What did you think of the uh, opening contest here? Let's see. It was a bit of a stark contrast at the start. This touching black and white tribute to Drell Monsoon and then immediately cuts to that all over the place, high energy bloody Smackdown opening video package. Just like, it's a weird like contrast. But as you said, they have right into the action with this tag match. Uh, you know the phrase trash bag wrestlers? Half the time, wrestler looks like he's wrestling in a literal trash bag. That <laughs> black thing he's wearing. I've no idea what that's supposed to be. It's just not exactly flattering for a man his size. They say black is maybe slimming. Well, you know, I mean, there's not many options for a man the size of Isra. He's like, what, 560 pounds or something at this point? Like, he's he's a big boy. Mm-hmm. I think they said the commentator said he was around 450 at this point, so near enough. But uh, I mean, still, you know, he's like he's like four of me. <laughs> it's like the scene in Friends. The camera has 10 pounds. How many cameras are on you? Jesus. I mean, this... <laughs> This this guy, I mean, I this was this also like did does it ever stand out to you when like the hard cam is on the opposite side of where it normally is because like it stood out to me this whole episode and it always stands out to me and it always bothers me. I don't think I really noticed. I thought it was the hard cam was on the same seat. Yeah, it's like because sometimes it's like when the hard cam is positioned so the entrance is on the right side rather than the left side. It always stands out to me for some reason. I don't know why. I think SmackDown, the hard cam was always on the different side from where Raw was. At least, at least at this period it was, I think. Mm. All right, well, maybe I should start paying closer attention. Yeah. It was <laughs> <a bit. laughs> yeah, I was, I was trying to figure out what, what was my point again before we started talking at the camera. Yeah, I was. I got distracted in my friend's quote. Like, I'm trying to think, what's, what's, what else was bigger than the 80s? Friends. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I think it was a nice continuation of what happened on Raw. With Xbox again refusing to tag in, but eventually Kane decided I've had enough of this and just tags himself in, and obviously they get the win. So there's more doubt. Like is Xbox really holding Kane back? At least he thinks there is. And then also you got the accolades beating the hell out of them afterwards, and you can tell like, to a guy like freaking Bassard, like eh, I don't care about your ascension. Like we'll happily beat the hell out of each other, but we're still a team. So I think it's just the difference in like how well both teams work together. But Jerry Lawler, some of uh, some of the jokes he tries to cut in commentary, like even at this point, feels like he's reading out of a joke book that was like that's at least thirty years old by this point. But like he he says about Xbox is maybe we'll keep saying, Oh, he's got a big heart, Xbox maybe he's the biggest guy, but he's got the biggest heart and then Jerry Lawler keeps making jokes about having a large heart and he should go to a doctor. Yeah, like, dude, Jerry Jerry Lawler just was like scraping at the bottom of the barrel like minutes into this show. Yeah. And also what is Xbox that fucking energy and he keeps coming out with it. There's even adverts for the energy drink and he's in his opening video package you see on the side they're just randomly energy and a picture of a can like he's just a shell at this point at Xbox. I'm just like I'm coming out every week with that bloody can of energy drink. 
Yeah, like I noticed that too. Like right on the side uh, on the screen, it just is like energy, X Pac, uh, crotch chop, DX, energy, 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 and it's just like whoa. Like I, I'm, I'm not a big energy drink fan, but like after this, I would probably try and figure out what type of energy drink he's drinking and drink it. Like this is an advert with Xbox. You need to cross up and jump around the ring. Like, do you want to have as much energy as Xbox? Drink this. I'd love to see if, like, maybe there was like a commercial that he did for this energy drink somewhere where he's just like screaming and jumping and crotch chopping. Oh, I want that to be a thing. Yeah, right. I just <laughs> I need it to be a thing. Um. So yeah, we uh, and then the acolytes attack at the end to uh, sort of like keep that build going to uh, no mercy and was it ten days from the end of the show? So, uh, I mean they they're, they're gonna have a, they're gonna have a hard time in that four corners match, which is it's probably going to end up being more of a tornado tag. You would think, right? Probably like maybe one of those weird, like four ways where you have to like tag in because like, you know, in the six pack challenge, like sometimes with these matches, either it's every man for themselves, a free for all. And then there's other times you have to tag in, even though it's every man from cell. So it just like one of the things that varies depending on like how convenient it is for the story. Yeah. Depending on what their mood is. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we move on to uh, Kevin Kelly's with The Rock. Uh, he says, the Bulldog is, and I quote, a nothing, a nobody, and a blemish on The Rock's buttocks. <laughs> um, he he also promises to kick his candy ass. And then he turns his frustration towards Val Venus for stuffing Rocco down his pants and uh, promises to kick his ass as well. Rock has got a whole bunch of ass kickings, like, just right up his sleeve. And he's ready to hand him out. Yeah, like... Also, he's so fun to say the word ass, and then suddenly, just for the purposes of this bulldog, he just says he's become all proper and say buttocks. And he does it. He does it in like a, like such like a like a shitty way. Like he says buttocks. <laughs> um, and then uh, Kevin Kelly goes to a- ask him another question, and he like tells him to wait because they're, they're chanting his name. And then there's like this one shot for like a second of like kevin kelly looking up the same direction that the rock is looking up and they're both look like they're like absorbing the energy for it was just i don't know another one of those things that made me laugh a little too hard um there's a point like for the rock that like he midway through he's cutting his promo and then midway through he just yells at kevin kelly to hold the mic up properly and he just goes back right into his promo like he doesn't like stop for a breath he just midway through he says hold the mic up and then just continues on what he was saying yeah, it's just the the rock in these promos, like he's just so ahead of his time for being able to just keep it rolling, keep it moving, uh, have a concise point, but be able to throw in um, th- th- there's a show called uh, Justified. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's a character called uh, Boyd Crowder and somebody goes and says the, the best way to describe him is that he uses 40 words when he should only use four uh, <laughs> to get his point across. And that's the rock here. He's just. A, mi- a million miles a minute has multiple thoughts going on in his head at the same time. Never really stops to um and ah, uh, and just is that. I mean, that's why he got over like so big. Um, graphics are shown for the upcoming matches tonight, which I thought was interesting. It was nice to see that like the show is starting to feel a little bit more of like a show at this mm-hmm. point, and you're getting the, the match graphics. Uh, a mud wrestling match presented by Jeff Jarrett Enterprises. Was this brought up on Raw at all that he had incorporated a business? No, not really. No, like Jeff Jarrett Enterprises, and I thought, what GFW is starting already? Yeah, yeah. This is the early days of GFW, <laughs> um, or TNA, I guess would be first. Um, 
And then right before we go to commercial, there is a room that is shown with a sign reading poisonous snakes. Mm-hmm. Um, after the break, Lillian is with mankind. He says he's going to fight the rock's battles for him uh, because the rock is fighting his battles for him. And pronouns, pal. Um, <laughs> it's, and he challenges the bulldog to a match later on tonight. So then we move on to second match of the evening. Road Dog uh, with Mr. Ass is going to take on Hardcore Holly, who comes to the ring with Crash. Um, not a lot to say about this match from my perspective. Uh, it was like the very definition of fine. It wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination, but it also wasn't great. Um, and Holly ends up winning with a Falcon Arrow off the distraction from Crash. What did you make of the second match of the evening, Road Dog versus Hardcore Holly? Seems weird how this escalated because uh, the Hollies the week or before on one of the last SmackDown we did uh, on the Raw before that got kind of felt like they were raw to a title shot from Kane and Xbox because basically Kane and Xbox answered the it was challenge first. Feels like so long ago, but they, suddenly they had that brawl on Raw. Like you said they both got DQ'd and they both got eliminated because they wouldn't stop like fighting on the outside and suddenly. Oh yeah, by the way, they're in this match, and also they're fighting at no mercy for the tag titles. So it's kind of a case of okay, we can't do rock and sock again. Uh, Hardys and Edge and Christian are fighting. Screw it, let's just put the Hollies in. So it just seems like the Hollies are another kind of stopgap feud for for the Outlaws. But it was a decent enough match. Like Hardcore is like a very good wrestler, but like Road Dogs, like out of the two of the Outlaws, he's not really the best of the of the two. He's, not, he's more the talker, but he's they're still over as hell and. It's weird seeing Crash as a heel because of some of the moments that I think of Crash from around this time. It's really hard not hard to hate him because he's so entertaining. Yeah, I mean, just both of them really like uh, hardcore and Crash. They they just with their whole like wear super heavyweights and they come out with the they they come out with the scale and they're constantly like battling each other at the same time as like battling their opponents. I mean. I, I I listen to other shows who do like little like retro recaps and stuff, and it's just I didn't remember it being so goddamn hilarious with them. <laughs> like they're just a barrel of laughs here, and it's it's interesting to see like how like like really like I mean with me they are over like Rover. Like if this was going on today, I would be wearing uh, hardcore Holly merch like every day. <laughs> like they're talking about how. Well, the outlaws have the have the better camaraderie. Like they've got the better relationship. Also, they're working better as a team because the Hollies keep arguing. Like, are they forgetting they broke up like this earlier this year, like less than a year before this? These the Holly the New Age Outlaws have broken up. Like they seem to be forgetting that. Yeah, like they just it, they they seem to just uh, are like, hey, no, no, we didn't break up, and then you know the current king of the ring is now back in his tag team. And, you know, we're not going after singles titles anymore. We're back together. You know, it's like mm-hmm. they just they're seeming to they're seeming to stray away from that little like failed experiment that they had. And it's just like, oh, no, 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 no. It, it never stopped. It just was on a break. And we love each other. Yeah. Billy Gunn's like, what kiss my ass match? <laughs> what do you mean? SummerSlam 99 was canceled. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, strap in for this next little bit because um we are going to talk about this probably for a little while longer than it was even in the episode we see footage of mark henry's first sex therapy session oh god um and i'm just gonna read what i wrote down verbatim and then i'm gonna go right to you scott and we're gonna talk about this for a second 
we find out that Mark Henry fucked his sister at eight years old and uh, all the way up to, and I quote, the day before yesterday. His therapist, you know, shocked as she should be, but definitely unprofessionally, um, just, what? What? I, I don't even know. Like, what do you, what? I, Mark- there's, rum- there's rumors that they wanted Mark Henry to quit because they couldn't, they, somehow they couldn't fire him. They wouldn't just fire him because they signed him to a big long term deal worth a lot of money. So they tried to get Mark to quit on his own. And like, how good, Mark Henry must have been paid, getting paid good money if he was willing to stick around after this segment. Like, okay. I think, I think back in 96, they offered him like an, like an eight year or 10 year, like, straight up contract or whatever and um yeah they were from what i understand they were trying to get rid of him but if they were paying me to be sexual chocolate or sexual vanilla as that other guy uh (laughs) put on the thing i would i would literally do whatever they wanted for like the amount of money he obviously was getting paid he came in as an olympian you know like so i'm sure that they were paying him like really good money for the time um, but like, and the fact that like, it, they didn't do anything else with this on this episode and he just is just like, yeah, I, I banged my sister and like, I'm still banging my sister. Like, it cuts back to the commentary team and, uh, Joe Lawler suddenly starts talking about what Mark Henry said about his sister, like at least 10 seconds later than he should have. It's almost like a delayed reaction as if Joe Lawler's feed was a few seconds behind when they cut the Fijians, I was like, wait, what did they say about his sister? Yeah, because I think they, like, they were showing, um, they, I think at the time, they, like, when they cut back from it, they were, like, showing the mud pit again. And Jerry Lawler was all just like, oh, yeah, oh, my God, fucking mud. And then, oh, did he say he fucked his sister? <laughs> what? And, like, and then they cut to commercial, like, I think, like, right after, if I'm remembering it right, I watched this rather late last night. But, yeah, I think that's the way that it went down. Like, it's weird with this thing because, like, it went by, they were kind of just blocked the reveal out very quickly because it just seemed like they were probably, I don't know how many of these they did, but, like, they'd probably do a series of these and then it made these big weird revelations of his past, at least in segment two or three. But then the first one, first one minute, he's just trying to talk about his problems and trying to hit on the doctor and say, oh, yeah, fuck my sister, by the way. Uh, like... I don't even know. I don't know who I feel worse for, like Mark Henry for having to say that he fucked his sister or the therapist or the actress they played to hire the therapist who obviously had no idea where this scene was going mm-hmm. or Mark Henry's actual sister, if he has one. She's like, she's so understanding at first and then Susie mentions the sister. It's only like, so it's too weird for like. You're, you're dealing with people who are addicted to sex. Like, surely you've heard something weirder than this, if there is stuff weirder than this. And apparently, some people have said that apparently Mark Henry's mum was watching or was in the crowd for this particular episode. So that must have been a lovely drive home. What a, what a week to be in the crowd for SmackDown if you're his mother. <laughs> Holy shit. Like, it couldn't have been when, like, he came out and he cut that, like, really impassioned promo about having a problem, and it was like, oh, okay, my son's, you know, he's doing a character thing. Nope, he's in the crowd for a video, for a backstage pre-tape, where he just 
out and out says that he's sleeping. He slept and is sleeping with his sister. Can you imagine if his mom like didn't realize that wrestling like was scripted, and he has an actual sister? So his mom, as soon as the show is done, she phones both Mark and his sister. Like, what the hell is going on that I don't know about? The second the words "I'm sleeping with my sister" come out of his mouth, she gets up out of her seat, all calm, walks to the back, goes up to a payphone, and calls like the sister, and she's like. <laughs> Um, so what the fuck, honey? What's going on? I don't, uh, this is, I mean, what do you say to this? Like, I feel like, I feel like Conrad Thompson, who booked this shit? Yeah, for real. Somebody get me, somebody get me Pritchard on the line so I can ask him who the fuck booked this shit. <laughs> um, all right, so we move on. I mean, luckily, we're moving on to uh, Jeff Jarrett in Waiters coming out with Miss Kitty. Uh, he gets in the mud. Uh, he says he's found a place for all the broads to wrestle. Broads in inverted commas, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not just using that as a phrase, so please don't at me. Um, but if you do, that's Ben underscore E-B-R-T um, <laughs> on Twitter. Um, also, Miss Kitty will be competing. And the only way to win is to rip off the other competitor's top because, of course, it is. Um, so she can get back on Double J's good side. Jarrett promises uh, no mercy in the good housekeeping match against China and leaves. Your thoughts? Uh, it seems like there was a period <laughs> of time. It seems like there was a period of time where every match involving a woman involved some sort of clothing being ripped off. And then I remember seeing this, seeing the mud put and all that, and there was going to be a match later on. I went, so this is where it began. <laughs> this- was for at least three or four years, there was always some sort of match where a woman had to wrestle in, in something or had to be thrown into something. Like, there was a there was a pudding match as far back as, I think, 2007 for the women's title. I don't even know. I don't want to... I'll talk just, about it more later on, but... The, uh... Just, like, the... When you were like, uh... Like, that's really... That really just describes it the best. Like, when I wrote down, because of course it is... I, I, I mean, we're in text threads together, so you see that normally I like to try and spell out everything when I'm speaking. I literally wrote down C-U-Z <laughs> because, like, I just, I, my brain didn't want to have to sit with the thought of, like, granted, I am n- none too upset that, like, you know, Miss Kitty or Ivory's top is going to get ripped off. Spoiler, it's Ivory. But, like... Like, come on, guys! Like, you're you're on network TV here. Um, all right. Yeah, I, it's just like at this point in the show, like after Mark Henry is like fucking his sister, and we're gonna get a mud wrestling match, and Jeff Jarrett looks like he's been out gator fishing or whatever. Like, uh, it's like one of those things. Pick behind the curtain. As soon as we came on the skate call, I was like, so this was a weird one. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Another weird one. Mm-hmm. Um, so Terry Taylor is with the Bulldog next. Uh, and he gets his response to Mankind's challenge. He says, and now please, I would like some my, my, my broadcast colleague here, Scott, um, the way that the Bulldog pronounces the word care here mm-hmm. in this, is this, is that something that like, now he's from Manchester? Mm-hmm. Is that like a Manchester? Uh, Manchester sort of accent where they were because I wrote it down phonetically and I believe it was cur. I don't cur 
all I care about is the WWF title. And if I have to cripple mankind to get it, then so be it is what he says. Um, is that like a normal thing? Am I missing something here? Or is it just like the amount of steroids allegedly in his body, like are just like freezing his jaw muscles? I think it's just a case of like how deep his accent is. And probably the dean's voice may have something to do with the of what he's taken, but I think, or it may just be a case of like where you're from depends how you pronounce certain things. Like, like how do you pronounce it? Like, is it, I don't care about about mankind or something like that. Yeah, it's like he says because he says, um, "All I care about is the WWF title," but it comes out, "All I care about is the WWF title," and like, I I don't know, maybe I'm just putting too much emphasis on it. Probably. But then after. Like, he's, I think it's just how deep his voice is. I guess, I guess so. I mean, it just really stood out to me a, a little bit, and I was just like, "Oh, okay, this is why he doesn't." They try not to give him the microphone, I guess. Um, and then all of a sudden, a wild man kind appears, ready to fight uh, and attacks Bulldog. Um, they fight a little bit, and uh, we see the snakes again. Oh, I'll be honest. I gave me the shivers when I when it cut to the snakes. I hate snakes. Um, and then we have round three in the tit <laughs> next, uh, next up, uh, ENC lead the, uh, lead the pack two to zero edge and Christian versus the new brood, Matt and Jeff Hardy. Um, Terry comes out uh, right before the match starts. Terry comes out in her best bed sheet and <laughs> announces that the third round of the tournament will be Texas tornado rules. Uh, all four of the, it means all four of the competitors will be in the ring at the same time. No tags necessary. Just get it, get in there, get wet and wild and try and win her services. Um, Edge and Christian show some really, uh, inventive tag team maneuvers in the early going. Uh, King won't shut the fuck up about the mud wrestling match that's coming up. Um, he's insufferable. Um, he tries to say that, uh, Terry will be in the match and I, they nearly get into a whole hell of a lot of trouble just with what happens to Miss Kitty during this. I can't imagine if Terry was in this match getting her top ripped off. I cannot. Poor kids in the third row are going to be getting like like they're going to be taking each other's eyes out with the size of their erections. <laughs> um, <laughs> after an exciting match, the Hardys get the win after a swanton bomb and a double pin. Edge and Christian two. Hardy boys one. That's round three of the tit. What did you make of the third round of the tit? Uh, what I thought was quite funny was when Hardy's kit they came out second, so they come out with the ring of fire because they're still part of the bridge, and they, the fire hadn't immediately cleared by the time Terry comes out. So Terry has to walk around the pit of fire. The bridge come out, and, and she's just standing while the fire slowly goes out. And we thought it was just funny. And I really like this one. I think it's maybe my favorite one so far. Like get the spot where Christian was taken out because he launches Matt like over, but Matt springs off the ropes and comes back and hits the DDT on the outside, which I thought was really cool. Uh, yeah, Jeff diving off the barricade to keep Christian down, and like the Hardys, like it's weird seeing them as the heels, and I feel like this because like they're not, they're just a, from what I've seen the Hardys, they were just always like really popular and they were always really over, but at this point like they're actually playing better heels than I thought they would. Uh, like I really like the finish with the double suplex, which won them the first match. But then Jeff coming in with a swanton and then shoving Edge at the ring to get the pin. So I thought it was really good, but I think it's weird that Edge and Christian, the two faces, had the two nothing advantage, like to start this off. 
Yeah. Um, I, cause I, I think that like, uh, I mean, just from them coming out, uh, edge and Christian, once the camera finally found them in the <laughs> audience, um, and they're coming down from like, I mean, my opinion, a little way too high up in, in the arena. You see like all these like girls, like nearly convulsing at the sight of edge and Christian, just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And they're like tearing girls off of them on the way down. Um, I don't think the Hardys have been like as established yet. So like no one's like really all over them the way that they, they want to be. And like, I don't think edge and Christian really got too much. Like they weren't either confident on the mic enough or they just weren't getting enough mic time to like really define who they were. Cause like they end up switching sides in like six months. They're like two totally different sets of characters in six months. And uh, yeah, that, that like up off the wall, up off the ropes, DDT maneuver. That was like really cool. And I think that Jeff running on the barricade, I think that was, this was maybe the first or second time that we've seen him do it. Um, it, it being able to keep Christian out of the match for a large portion of the second half of this match. Um, I mean, th- these two teams are, just, there's nothing that they can do at this point. That's wrong. Yeah. I think it's only going to get better from here, but I, I literally had that exact same point when you said about their entrance, like the cameras moving around constantly and they could not find them for ages. And then when it finally caught seeing them, I thought it's a bit higher than they usually are. Cause like Ed and Christian, they're good, but they're no shield. They can't get away with taking that long to get to the ring. Yeah, I think it's just because of the the way the Nassau Coliseum is built up is that like there isn't really like that like first little mezzanine entrance. There's like you go all the way up to where they came out of, and like that's pretty much. I haven't been there, but I've seen a lot of shows from there, and it just seems like it's more of like they have more of a down like a bowl sort of thing on the bottom. So there's only like a couple of entrances and exits from the inside of the arena. Um, but yeah, I mean. The, the tit is getting pretty, pretty firm, pretty hard, um, and it's getting pretty close. So we're going to have to see how this continues to pan out as we move along. Val Venus has shown unraveling Sako from his pants in the mirror. Um, just like a weird thing to do when you're alone <laughs> in a room, I think, just like grinding and like looking at the rock's face coming out of your pants. I mean, he, he seemed kind of bothered by the fact that everyone found out that he stuffs his pants and now he's just doing it to do it. Like, I, I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm thinking too much into this. Well, secrets out by this point. Mankind already and GTV already exposed them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, next up is the mud wrestling match. Uh, Miss Kitty versus, uh, uh, another opponent for the moment. Uh, but as we've covered earlier, it's ivory. Um, after you know Miss Kitty comes out, she takes a robe off and God damn. Um, and then she gets into the mud, and uh, while Jeff is talking on the outside, he ends up tricking Ivory and just throws her ass into the mud. My favorite thing of the whole episode, by the way. Like she's just out there with this like shit-eating grin on her face, and he's talking, and then she moves just a little too close and boom, right into the fucking mud. Really great. Um, I want to know where they found this mud, though, because it just looks like, like I don't know, pudding or something. Like, it's just, it's very liquidy and watery. It's not really, like, mud mud. It's more of, like, dirt water. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, Ivory, Ivory ends up winning. I mean, what the fuck do you even say? You know, like, it's just two girls rolling around in the mud. Um, Miss Kitty's top gets ripped off, um, and she doesn't cover up right away, so they're just... You know, she's flopping around. 
whatnot. And then she leaves and the crowd boos. Um, and then uh, Mula and May come out. Uh, Je- Jeff Jarrett throws them into the mud. China appears behind Double J and, you know, boots his ass into the mud as well. So, you know, he gets to be embarrassed a little bit. Uh, they trip him into the mud. He gets a little mad. What did you make of the mud wrestling match? I'll be honest. I almost forgot about the Mark Henry segment. So the bit you said we were going to be talking about some longer than we probably should have. I thought you were talking about this for some reason. Because, oh. <laughs> like, what do you even say about this? Like, I agree with you. It seemed a bit too watery to be actual mud. Because maybe, maybe they're concerned about actually having them in uh, an actual mud. So... They've got gimmicked mud, as it were. And they, I, went, I down, gonna... they went down to Muds R Us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, I was convinced maybe China was going to wrestle Miss Kate or something like that. And then it would just be an excuse for Jeff Jarrett to try and like, jump her at one point and try and humiliate her and lead up to good housekeeping. But I remember there was a good, there was a good point where I think somebody was chatting puppies because I, I can only faintly hear them. Because he was a bit against Kitty's opponent, and then Jared just probably just turns and goes, "No, it's not the puppies." So obviously, people thought Deborah was coming out, and because we haven't seen her in a, a few weeks since she since Unforgiven, I don't think. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't think she's really been around. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm hardly crying for more Deborah. Just like because in the first few weeks, she was always there because she was there whenever Jeff Jarrett was out, and then she's just she's just gone now. I did like like the trick of like Ivy getting thrown in, Jeff uh, even calling her the ladies' champion, not the women's champion. And then there's a point where the camera like is a close up on her face, and you just hear her say, "Calling Jeff Jarrett a bastard for <laughs> for tricking her." That's awesome. And then the commentator were putting way too much thought into the the rules of this match, where Ivy's wearing a dress, whereas it's just basically a bikini that Miss Kay's wearing. So Ivy's dress gets ripped off, but her full top has to get torn off in order for Kitty to win and then the, the commentators are putting way too much thought into it, like, well, see, our, top, our outer top's been moved, which has to get our full top ripped off, and Michael go like, geez, Michael, you're working way too hard to make this seem like a, a, a good enough match to put any effort in. Like, it's fucking mud, for God's sake. Yeah, for real. I mean, like Michael Cole ends up saying that, like, well, Ivory's first top got it's like it wasn't her top. Her dress got ripped off. And now she's now she has a bra on underneath. Like, it's not a first top, second top situation. Like, she didn't know she was going to wrestle here. You know, she didn't know she was going to get thrown into mud by that dastardly prick, Jeff Jarrett. You know, like, I don't know. What do you like? Again, what do you even say? (laughs) You know, like, at least least Ivory won. I mean. She's been keeps getting beaten up by the, by two old women. Like she's not going to do the job, and I put a pat of mud. Like she's a women's champion at least. So, but I did I do have to appreciate like Bill and May being willing to get shoved into the mud, and then when China comes out, just all of the bump that Jarrett took from the steps over the ropes, and mm-hmm. then like, he just dives over the ropes. Yeah, you got to give him credit. Like, he's out here being an asshole or whatever, but, like, he is really just giving in to, like, selling for China and, like, really be like really being a part of this whole thing. Like, he's, like, feeding into his character really well, and he knows that he's the bad guy, and he's, like, absor- like able- absorbing the blows, really not holding himself too highly and whatnot. And I just think that, you know, he should be commended for this. I mean, granted, it's not great in 2019 to see a guy talking like this, but at least he's supposed to be the bad guy and he's constantly getting his one ups, uh, 
has has come up in rather and you know he's he's really he's doing everything he can to make this like a big deal and that should be commended for sure yeah because i remember also he wasn't intending to go in the mud like all when he comes out he's wearing like he's just got all this cover up he's got plastic he's got rubber gloves on and all that stuff on him so to protect himself from getting any mud on him when he's not gonna even he's not even the one that's gonna be wrestling and then he ends up getting shoved into the mud anyway yeah. Oh, yeah. Like when he when he came out in the waiters earlier in the show, I was like, oh, this guy's this guy's uh, this guy's going face first into that mud for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's the mud wrestling match there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Shane is shown with uh, Michael Hayes from the Connecticut Med Center. Definitely not backstage anywhere. <laughs> um, and we get a recap of the bulldog situation uh, all leading up to all this. We see test from Monday night saying that she doesn't even remember him. Uh, Shane's, uh, Shane says Steph has amnesia and walks away shortly after the Bulldog's name is brought up. Um, drama. Am I right? Like, I mean, oh my God. <laughs> also, like, Shane was like, told basically, was like, okay, Shane, give us your angry face. And instead, apparently, to give another friend's reference, Shane went to the Joey Tribbiani School of Smell the Fart acting because he just walked away like, <laughs> Someone in the room, like, farted really badly, and Shane just suddenly it caught Shane right after that question. He's just like, i got to get out of here. That fucking stinks. Something died in here, man. I don't know. Oof. Woof. Um, He's without you. And then, uh, <laughs> nice. Um, and then, um, as if being summoned like Beetlejuice, it's the British Bulldog versus Mankind. Giant pop for Mick in his hometown. Um, apparently, this match is no DQ. Um, because Bulldog, uh, gives Mankind the worst chair shot ever. Um, he hits him, like, upside down with the chair at one point. I didn't even know if Bulldog even knows where he is at this point, because, like, woof. That is so bad. Um, bell rings a bunch of times all of a sudden. No, no contest. No context. Uh, I guess. Uh, I don't know. They battle into the crowd, uh, and the camera loses them. That's it. What did you think of the match? Ah, <laughs> uh, dog shit. Yeah, right. This is awful. Yeah, definitely. Because I don't. It wasn't a no DQ match. I think it's just the fact that Mikey was a fucking idiot. Because he gets hit with a he hits Mikey with a chair and full of Mikey. Mikey looks angry about it, and then the match continues. Because the Rock Valvinus match later on is actually no DQ. And to be honest with you, until he mentions it, I don't even notice. And by that point, they were already out in the crowd when they mentioned it was a no-DQ match later on. Because to me, it just seemed like any other match that, that had happened that week or even on this show. Like, it's really hard to tell in between a regular attitude or a match and a no-DQ match. Like, it seemed like they had to, like, say, we're going to do more of a brawl here because we see what happened at Rebellion. People have to wrestle around the Bulldog, so, like, let's play to his strength. Let's have, him, let's have him do a bit of a brawl going in the crowd so he doesn't get blown up as easily. Yeah, and bless, bless mankind's cotton sockos. Like he is just like he's going into the stairs. He's taking suplexes on the outside. He's making sure Bulldog doesn't have to bump on his back. I mean, the whole night. I mean, Mick really went like for it on this on this one. And you know, I mean, God bless him. But there's really nothing that could have been done. I mean, when the guy who who's been through all these death matches, got thrown off the hell in a cell and got like 11 chair shots to the head only that year. 
looks like a cruiserweight compared to you. You know, like you're just you're just you're out of shape or you're blowing up on something. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this was awful. I mean, just just bad. I mean, not nothing against mankind here. The uh, the entire awfulness of this match rests sh- like solely on the blown out shoulders of the bulldog. Um, then we see snakes, snakes, just a bunch of snakes again. Uh, and it cuts to Austin and Jr. on a hunting trip. The camera work is horrible. The audio is bad. This promo sucked. I was not a fan of this at all. Um, because like they took two shots of somebody shooting the, the triple H picture, uh, through the pumpkin and they just reused it like six times. And while JR and Austin are talking, the camera's like panning around and doing this like weird dip and dive thing while they're talking. And it was like bad. It was like bad ECW camera work. Um, and then uh, they come back from that, and Triple H enters the snake room. Um, and yeah, b- b- before we move on, what did you make of, uh, I don't know, this this promo and the snakes? Snakes? <laughs> yeah, like I said, like, I'm not good with snakes. Like, I'm not a fan. But the, the thing with Austin and that, like, obviously I think it was day we again reestablished that Austin and JR are friends, so surely you could add this before the the segment with Triple H, because also I think a lot of people do know it, but if you had this segment first and then did the Triple H attack, you get like, oh yeah, we, we all know that he's friends because we've seen that segment with them in the woods shooting pumpkins for no reason. And like, every time they shot, and, like, I don't know who's actually doing the shooting, but like, the, there's a picture of Triple H on the pumpkin and the picture, there's barely any damage to the picture of Triple H. So somebody's, whoever's shooting is not a good shot. And like you said, the audio at first, like you can hear, I can tell JR's talking, but I cannot hear a word he was saying. But I don't know if that was the audio or maybe because of the, the cerebral palsy or something like that. If I was like, I couldn't hear him very clearly. But like, I just like the idea that this is what Triple, this is what Austin does to prepare. And then he goes home and he's got his dartboard with a picture of Triple H and then he unwinds of and just throwing darts at this picture of Triple H with the belt. He's been home for two months, just sort of like throwing knives and axes at like plenty of pictures of trip is his whole like inside of his his house is just a stack of printed out pictures big eight by tens of triple h just all over the house yeah because like i get what i say like austin's been out for a while and like they need to also have him on tv even if, he, if he's going to main event the next pay-per-view and he's getting a bit restless but like i don't like i said i don't know what this really achieved like oh yeah austin like i'm i want to get my title back and also i'm out here in the woods shooting things just yeah, like J- a- jr even asked him he's like well this is a this is the most uh interesting way i've ever seen somebody get ready for a match and like i don't remember what austin's response is but like what is your what can be your fucking response to that yeah. like like yeah it's a really weird way and you know i want to like i drove an ambulance uh, i drove a truck into the ambulance he was in and tried to murder him so yeah this is getting pretty serious jr you know like come on now yeah, no, like, he seemed to be like more held out on getting Triple H and they got more physical and lead it to Unforgiven where they had a match where Austin wasn't even a participant and he was the referee. And and then when they actually have a match where they lead up to a ma- an actual match between these two where Austin's finally going to get his hands on him, they have, like, one segment at the end of SmackDown and then next week, oh, yeah, Austin went hunting. 
Yeah, I mean, the the thing that they show right before they go to commercial, before before they come back and do this promo, where like, uh, Jr's got like the the earmuffs on, and like the, like Austin shoots one of the pumpkins, and Jr's just like, yeah, that's a hot one right there. <laughs> like it's the most like southern Jr and Austin trip. I like just the most southern thing ever. Just like yeah, boy, that's a hot one right there. Like <laughs> king of the hill, king of the hill level southernness for sure. Very much. Um, next up, we have uh, just like a weird sort of like definitely edited in thing because um, from what I was able to ascertain, this is the week that the accident happens with Draws and D'Lo Brown, where Draws ended up being paralyzed. So uh, you can tell by just watching this that the banners are up for Heat, and this was definitely filmed for Heat. Um, uh, and the match is short because it stays within those uh, those Heat guidelines of having short matches. Um, but apparently you hear on commentary that King has left commentary, uh, to go check on Miss Kitty. Uh, Cole gives an update on draws. Um, the, the banners, like I said, are the fiery WWF logo. Uh, Kevin Kelly is on the desk, but he isn't talking. Um, so obviously this was added in because during the filming of this, uh, what, uh, the, the filming of this episode of SmackDown, uh, D'Lo and draws was on the show Draws got hurt. They went to a no contest. They edited it out because of the severe injury that he sustained during the match. Uh, Bossman ends up getting DQ'd, hitting show with the nightstick. Um, the cuffs aren't big enough. Choke slam, match over. Um, so that's about that on uh, that portion of the show. Uh, what did you make of this uh, sort of like weird thing that got thrown in? Yeah, it was really. I noticed like the different lighting and. The atmosphere just seems so different when this match happened. So, like, I had a feeling like this was the week. This was the, the episode where the Draws thing happened. And, like I said, Draws was even on Raw. And, like, GTV same. And then they've been kind of teasing Draws v. D-Lo for the last few weeks. So, it was kind of uncontrolled because you knew what it was leading to. And you listen to the, the audio of Michael Cole. Also, the thing with SmackDown is, like, usually, because it was always taped, if you go back, and like add like audio in post, and you could definitely tell that this lot this audio was added in, especially like saying that earlier this week Draws was injured because this would have been taped on the Tuesday, and by the Thursday I think a lot of people would already have heard about it, and the news probably would have gotten out by then. But so yeah, it was kind of uncomfortable, and I wondered it makes a lot more sense as to why this match happened because it just seemed like a random inclusion in the middle of the show, but. Well, my other thought was, he's back for the first time since Unforgiven. He, he must have been frozen in space for a while because fucking the most evil man in the WAF is back. And Bossman's at it again. He's up against a big joker I'm sure he'll have no further interactions with for the rest of 1999. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure this was it. I, I'm sure that, you know, this little short interaction that they had will pretty much be it. I mean, it's yeah. got to be, right? Surely. But like yeah. the big, the big kickout spot of this match where Big Show kind of launches him, like over, even over Teddy Long, the referee. Whereas like when Bossman and Strip get out your thing, give your index figures a good stretch because some big air quotes coming up here. When Bossman hits the Bossman slam, <laughs> I he puts his hand, I he put his hand on Big Show's chest and Big Show jumped because there's no way Bossman can get a proper slam on the Big Show. No, even no if, way, no even way. If, even if Rachel was like near like 300 pounds, there was no way he was getting Big Show up. 
Absolutely. Um, so we move on from all of that. And uh, Triple H is still with the snakes. He uh, And get those. It's a good thing you stretched out those fingers for the air quotes because <clears throat> he apologizes to JR for stomping a mud hole in him. Uh, says that he's not afraid of snakes and he's going to essentially cut the head off of the rattlesnake when they get in the ring with one another. Um, he then murders a snake in a bag with a sledgehammer. I'm going to say that again for emphasis and importance to this segment. Triple H then murders a snake in a bag with a sledgehammer. I'm not against this on principle because I hate snakes. They don't make sense to me and they're weird and they're gross and they're poisonous. Uh, but as a lover of animals, dude, what the fuck? Um, Triple H makes his way out with the with a now suddenly dripping in blood bag uh, and says, Austin, will be going back to Texas in a body bag. Very similar to, I guess he's sending that rattlesnake back to Texas for some reason. Cool. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. So a uh, bit of an odd I mean, a good promo, but an odd promo from Triple H here. Um, what are your What are your thoughts here on this, uh, like snake snuff film that we got here? Yeah, like like you said, like I'm not a, a fan of snakes because like I've seen like nature documentaries are like here visit these exotic places, but also here's different t- here's ten different types of snakes and the different ways they can kill you. <laughs> yeah, but like. <laughs> Yeah, it just seems like a weird way to build to this match. Like, taking the fact that Austin is, is nicknamed a rattlesnake just a little bit too literally as if Austin's going to really be hurt by the fact that Triple H killed a snake. It's like, we don't know what Austin's feelings towards snakes are. He could probably hate them as much as as much as much we do. But, like, it just seemed weird. And, like, we just... Triple H comes at literally, like, right seconds after he set the snake with a bag. So we probably recognise the bag that we'd just seen... But no, like, just so they can spell it. By the way, there's blood coming out. That means this dead snake is definitely in this bag. Definitely. It's mm-hmm. definitely in this bag. Yeah, it's definitely a dead snake. And it's definitely the same bag that you just saw seconds ago. He definitely wasn't... He definitely didn't miss his cue on his entrance because he was in the back dipping that bag into a uh, a, ba- uh, a vat of viscous liquid, as uh, Michael Cole likes to say. I mean, at least, at least we only had to hear his music once tonight, and that's an improvement. Uh, twice. China earlier oh, yeah. on after she kicked Jet. But it's a noticeable difference mm-hmm. from mere weeks ago when it was like 6, 7, 9, 12, 18 times in two hours. I mean, he's not got time to do that many times. Like in Bulldog's taking up all the airtime. It's fair. That's a fair point. Um, well, I, as we've as we've found out, Bulldog doesn't care about anything, including about <laughs> how long his uh, segments go. Um, so then uh, after after the break, my favorite, 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 favorite moment on the entire show. After the break, Triple H straight up fucking ignores Terry Taylor and leaves the building, who then turns around luckily into Valvina. So he's not alone on camera for a second because God knows we don't need any of that. Uh, he turns towards Val Venus on his way to the ring, and uh, Val talks some shit on the rock and gets attacked by Mankind, but then Bulldog appears, and they both beat up Mankind and leave him laying. They go to another break and come back, and then we see that during the break, the rock stops and sees Mankind laying on the ground uh, and asks if he's all right. Mankind says he is all right, but he asks for once, just this one time, 
Win one for the Micker. <laughs> what? And then the, the the Rock is just as confused as literally everyone else is, including commentary, about his win one for the Micker line. <laughs> um, what hit, what are your thoughts on these two, these two little segments here? Uh, well, Triple still carrying the bag, the Bloodsoap bag, when he North Terry Taylor. I believe he did. Yeah, I believe he was yeah. still holding it. Yeah, I remember that. Like, like you said, all very casually, he's walking in. As if he's, if he's, if he's taking out the garbage, he just waltzes past Terry Taylor. Just doesn't even acknowledge him, and he's off. Like, I've done my thing. I've, I've done what I need to do. I'm off. And then, like, boy, Mick Foley just he seemingly dives into frame. Like, he just all oh, you hear is something shouting. Look out in this. Mankind just dives into frame and tries to attack Val Venus, and then he gets obviously beaten up because, like, I was just Mankind saying he always seemed to he always seemed to get beat up. He always had good intentions, but then he always gets beat up. And then the one one for the Mickey, I just thought that was funny. And then what was funny was the Rock's reaction, like the Rock's nonchalance to seeing Mankind get beat up. He just walks by and just walks by like, "Well, I'm you," and then he's like, "Who the hell's the Mickey?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, um, then, uh, you, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It is time for our main event of the evening. The Rock versus Val Venus. Um, we have, uh, in my opinion, an even better sign in the crowd here. Uh, better than, uh, sexual vanilla. Better than, I mean, any of the other signs that I've seen in this episode. There is a Rudy Pooh candy ass sign, complete with an actual ass covered in actual candy bars. <laughs> Just fantastic. This is why WWE needs to get the stick out of their ass and let people bring these fantastic signs back into the arena. Because we need more creative people like this in the world. Um, I mean, just by far best sign of the night, in my opinion. Uh, Matt. Oh, go ahead. I think you had a better eye for signs than I did because, like, I've almost given up finding signs at this point because stuff moves so fast, and also there's always so many signs, especially when I'm watching the Raws. Yeah, I, I actually did try and pay a little bit more uh, attention to signs this time because you're usually the one who's like on top of it. So I wanted to bring a little to the table. Um, but this one, I mean, this one was right on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the match starts off fast and furious, no pun intended. I didn't realize I did that until after I had written it down on the piece of paper that I'm reading from. Um, apparently, it's a no DQ match. Wasn't aware of that until they said it. Uh, Val uh, gets tired of getting his ass kicked uh, at one point and tries to leave. But The Rock chases him and they battle. Uh, and they, they, they fight and battle on top of the stage and on the ramp. Rock is on commentary again. This seems to be like a thing that he's going to keep doing. Uh, Rock spits Gatorade in Val's face, but Val ends up getting the upper hand. That's all those electro- electrolytes, brother. You can't just be spitting electrolytes in somebody's face and then expect them to not fire back at you with a little bit more gusto. Um, he gains the upper... Uh, sorry, lost my place here. Yeah, uh, Val gains the upper hand um, and brings a chair in. Uh, Mankind appears... Uh, who uh, hits Rock with the chair by accident. Rock hits the rock bottom on Mankind and Val and ends up getting the win. Rock and Mankind argue as we fade to black at the end of this episode. Val Venus and the Rock was way better than it had any right to be, in my opinion. Um, 
And uh, yeah, your thoughts on the main event? Yeah, for me, when I was watching it, it's clear that Val's definitely over, even if he is, as we've mentioned in the past, scraping the bottom of the barrel for his, for his puns and his innuendos. But like, it's still very clear that he's nowhere near on the same level as The Rock. And like, they're really like, like he's really have a decent showing, obviously, because of the no DQ stipulation, which means they had the brawl when they're outside and all that. But like, it just, it just seemed weird to see Val being mixed up with the likes of The Rock. And I agree with what you said about the, the rock and country. I didn't realise he did it as often as we've seen him do it. And then he was generally like, time for the big Valvoski to meet Mr. Table. He just slams his face in the table and then he puts the mic, the headset on Val Venus and says, what do you say? And he goes, he just punches him and King goes, ah, oh, I guess it doesn't matter what he thinks. And, like, again, you saw about bloody King grasping at straws and all that for insults. He calls Val the most erectifying man and all of sports entertainment. <laughs> it's like, like we're, 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 we're past finding penis buns. It's like, hey, erections, eh? Like, most of our fans are teenage boys. They all know what that means. Just like, eh? Eh? <laughs> eh? Bueller? Bueller? Eh? That's not a sweet one. Yeah, I mean, like I said, this match was way better than it had any right to be. Rock even busts out of Fisherman Suplex with a bridge at one point. Um, we didn't get a, we didn't get a people's elbow here, uh, which, you know, was weird for the time. Cause normally like they try and fit all that stuff in. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously some dissension in the rock and sock connection. Uh, they're arguing no big brawl to end the show, but they are just getting right in each other's faces. Uh, the implosion of the rock and sock connection is imminent. I believe mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm going with uh, that. This is the thumbs up show. It was a good show, decent action throughout, and a solid main event, plus mud wrestling. Really no complaints. <laughs> really no complaints about that. I mean, as much as much as I was like trying to give it some shit, I had to think about what kind of shit to give it because Miss Kitty Miss Kitty was Damn. I mean, just <laughs> fine. Um no other no other complaints other than uh the big show boss man thing that just ended up being added in and just sort of odd, but it's reasonable why they would have added in considering the circumstances. Um, what's uh, what's your rating here for this episode of SmackDown? I was going to say, first off, I thought it was a weird way. It's not like the usual brawl ending that we were used to. You've seen the Rock and Magnet arguing as, as SmackDown went off air. And you know there had to be something involved in like Bulldog or something like that, probably when they went off air, like send the crowd home happy. But like, I actually thought for a moment, is Val Venus actually going to win because of Although the sense between Rock and Sock, but then I realized, of course, he's not. He's Val Venus. Like he's not. Be- he's not being the Rock on free TV. Like, uh, I think for me, maybe I'm more aiming towards a middle, thumbs in the middle, possibly for this, because like you said they 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 did the best they could to find a replacement for the draws match. But like some of the weird things, like the Mark Henry segment, the the segment with like Austin Triple H, like. Like, I don't think I'm any less or any more excited for their title match than I was before. And, like, the Bulldog is just atrocious. So, I think for me, I'm giving it thumbs in the middle. As fun as it was to talk about and to shit on, especially, like, Mark Henry and the Mud Wrestling, I think it's a thumbs in the middle for me. I, that's, that, that's definitely valid. Uh, those, um, those things that, like, made it a thumbs in the middle for, I mean, other than the JR and Austin promo and, um, bulldog just being absolutely atrocious 
everything on here was i mean even the mark henry thing was so crap it was like glorious <laughs> um and yeah it's just definitely an interesting episode for sure as we move closer and closer to no mercy on october 17th we have one more episode of tv a big go home episode for uh no mercy next week um so we do hope you join us for that uh scott why don't you give the good people who are listening to us here on the feed your plugs let us know what you got going on well you can find me on twitter at scott mcclure 1996 you can find my other podcast and paul's rambling podcast at S3 Rambling on Twitter. We're currently trying to get a nomination for a wrestling podcast award, even though we're not we're not strictly a wrestling podcast, but we talk about it a fair bit. So we're just trying to chance for luck. If you go on our Twitter, there's a, a retweet, a thing from the Wrestling Hub, which has a link for the nominations. So, you know, I'm not really expecting to win anything, but I'm just, we're trying, like I said, we're chancing our luck. And like, if you're going to go back in our archives here at Rogue Opinions, I recommend a podcast. It just went up that we recorded the other day, uh, create a summer vault buster, which was a lot of fun to do. Yeah, absolutely. That was a, those are uh, creator episodes are always really fun. Uh, definitely very interesting. Never, never a dull moment. And I think, uh, we, we all hit our stride as far as, uh, what things were coming up with at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely go back and check in our archives. We are on Instagram and Twitter at rogue underscore opinion. Uh, I'm at Mr. Riot. That's M R R I zero T because Counter-Strike was a thing when I was a kid, blah, 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 blah. Also go follow wrestling magic on Twitter. It's a company I work for here in New Jersey, uh, pro wrestling magic. And we're doing a lot of fun things coming up in the next couple of months. If you live in the area, come out and see a show. We run every fourth, uh, fr- uh, fourth Saturday in the same building. Um, also on October 30th, uh, I'm going to be live on fight TV with uncanny attractions, a nightmare on Wyckoff Avenue. I'm going to be doing some commentary, maybe some backstage interviews, depending on how things go. And, uh, yeah, that'll be it from us. Join us again next week when we go and check back into the SmackDown hotel and figure out what's what and where's where and who's who. Thank you for joining us for Scott. I'm Jim. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.